promises of God's word. Jonah found hope in the promises of God's word. Let's continue. Let's look at verses 4 through 7. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. That's a humorous visual, isn't it? I went down to the moorings of the mountains and the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. I love this. I love how now, now what? He's had this affliction. He's recognized that God has intervened. God is ultimately bringing him to this moment that is going to break him. And then what does he do? He's reminded of God's word. I want you to notice the divine wording. I want you to notice repetition. We talk a lot about this in our hermeneutics class. Our hermeneutics class, we address the idea of repetition. Anytime you see uh, a word that is repeated over and over uh, has significance. I want you to notice this. Uh, we actually see this, this repetition beginning in chapter 1. It says, Jonah went down to Joppa. Then he went down into the lowest parts of the ship. So he went down to, J- to Joppa. Then he went down to the lowest part of the ship. And then, now where do we see him? Down even deeper. He is now into the, he has gone down into the sea and into the belly well so there is this digression uh, that's taking place so in chapter 2 he went down into the moorings of the mountains listen when you rebel against the call of God in your life there is only one direction you can go down it's a spiraling down it's a digression he's going to to Joppa the ship the belly of the earth the moorings of the mountains he is getting farther and farther in his rebellion but we find hope in the promises of God that's how we go up how do we get out of those moments we find within the Word of God and we cry out so what did Jonah mean when he cried out I will look again toward your holy temple what is he talking about there what does he mean I will look again to your holy temple he is actually referring to a promise of God that's found in first Kings chapter 8 verses 38 through 40 Whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward this temple, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men, that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. What was he doing? He was like, I know what your word says, and I will remember that. I remember what your word says, and I'm going to call upon you. In fact, the same hope that was available to Jonah is still found in God's word today. We find the same hope. Jonah was here, and he keeps going down and down and down and down, and now he does what? He recognizes and says, I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. Remember what? 
Remember the things that he has seen in God's word. Now, I don't know what circumstances that you're enduring. I don't know in, in, in this room how many different circumstances there are that we're dealing with that might be moments of affliction. But I do know this. You can look up to the promises that are found in God's word. There are exhausting days and sometimes even weeks in ministry. Uh, I will say this. Satan sometimes attacks uh, can be relentless upon pastors. But you, do you know how we endure? We look to the promise of God's word. And what can I do? I can encourage you to do the same. Don't look to me. Look to God's word. It is in God's word that we're going to find uh, that, that the promises of his word and the strength. In fact, I can't tell you the number of times that I have felt discouraged and then the, someone within the body of Christ comes along at just the right time with just the right encouraging word from God's word. Listen, the truth is I really only have one sermon. One sermon. It's the gospel. And it doesn't matter if we're in Jonah chapter 2. It doesn't matter if we're in Genesis chapter 3. It doesn't matter if we're in John chapter 3. You know what we're going to do? We're going to see the gospel. We're going to see that the gospel of Jesus is that important. The gospel is my motivation to keep doing what we do. Key point number four then is this. Jonah surrendered to God's will. So we see this process, right? We see him in his affliction. He cries out. He remembers God's word. He thinks about the promises of God. And now what he, does he do? He surrenders to God's will. Well, we can see the, the, the theme of redemption in its fullness here. Aren't we seeing it? Look at uh, chapter, uh, again, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You know, idol worship, and we've said this before, idol worship is when anything takes God's rightful place of worship. It can be stuff. It can be our own pride. It can be a lot of different things. But when we place our affection and our obedience to anything other than God himself, we have become an idolater. So Jonah then does what? He admits that idols in his life have robbed him of the blessing of God. I mean, what, is it, what does he do? Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He's realizing, you know what? I've got something better than idols and I've allowed idols to come into my life. I've allowed these things to come into my life that I have become rebellious to God and overlooked his mercy. But what does he do? I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. What is he, what is he sacrificing? He's saying, I'm going to give up all these things that I have placed ahead of you, all these idols that I've put ahead of you, and I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Redemption. There, there it is, right there in front of us. So the question that I have for us is this. Just as Jonah admits that there have been idols that have crept into his life and he confesses those before God, my, my question for us is this. 
What idols have crept into my life? What idols have crept into your life? What things have, have made their way into our life? Is it, is it stuff? Is it things? Is it money? Is it possessions? Is it our own pride? What, what has stepped in and taken God's rightful place of worship? What is preventing you from spending time with God in affectionate prayer? What has stepped in and prevented you from coming before him with affection in your prayer life? If there is anything in your life that's preventing you from doing that, that's an idol. That's what the idol is. That's how you identify it. What's preventing me from doing what God has called me to do? Whatever it is that is preventing you from doing what God has called you to do, that is the idol. So what is something that God has spoken to you? How how else can we identify it? What has God spoken to you about, but you haven't yet responded in obedience? What is the obstacle that is causing your disobedience? That's the idol. That's the idol. Jonah cries out with the central theme of the book, the book of Jonah. The central theme of the book, the overall theme of the gospel itself, salvation is of the Lord. And then finally we have key point number five. Jonah experiences redemption. Jonah experiences redemption. Look at verse 10 in the last verse of the chapter. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. (laughs) Again, what a great dramatic ending to another chapter, right? What? The Lord spoke to the fish. And what, what do we already know about the fish? The fish is going to be obedient immediately, right? Every time. Why? Because God's creation is obedient. What in creation is not obedient? Us. We're the disobedient ones. Why? Because we brought sin into the world. We're sinful people. And because of that theme that we see in the narrative of, of Scripture, you know, we have brought that on, upon ourselves. But here we see, the Lord spoke to the fish, it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah had no power over the fish, did he? No power at all. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 18. No one takes it from me, referring to his life, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. Jonah had no power over his grave. None whatsoever. Jonah had no say in in this whole equation. He was completely at the mercy of God. Jesus, in contrast, in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, he says, listen, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down, and guess what? I'll be the one to determine when I come up out of this grave. Jonah had no control over it, Jesus had absolute control over it. Oh, what an incredible contrast. And then let's remind ourselves, what was the sign of Jonah? He answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
The sign of Jonah, don't miss this, is what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the sign of Jonah. It is pointing us to the fact that Jesus is going to be buried and that he is going to be resurrected. That's the sign of Jonah. Once we experience redemption, we are then free to obey the Lord and take God's message to the hopeless. And we'll still have lessons to learn along the way. But when we ourselves have experienced the redemption of God, it makes it easier for us to be reminded, okay, God redeemed me. He can redeem others, even a Gentile nation that is rebelling against God. And here we see Jonah being vomited out of the mouth of this great fish right to the very place where God said he wanted him to go to begin with. And that leads us ultimately to what? The fourth theme of the gospel, restoration, that he's still working on us. He's still got work to do in Jonah. Jonah's experienced redemption, but we're going to see as we continue through the book of Jonah, he still has got a long way to go. He still has some work to do. Why? Because God is still restoring him. He's still working. And I want you to consider this. I want you to listen to one more verse. One more verse, and then we'll consider a last thought. But this verse is another time that vomit is mentioned in Scripture. It's Revelation 3.16. And it's actually referring to believers. Believers who are what? Disobedient. And he says this, So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus does not want his followers, whether it's Jonah, whether it's you, whether it's me, to be in rebellion and to become lukewarm in our fellowship of him. Because if that happens, he will vomit us out of his mouth. Why? Perhaps it's to bring us back to the point where we will be obedient again. That's God's desire. So one last thought. God is still vomiting out those who are lukewarm for a divine purpose that they may become obedient 